bum bum bottom 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 bum
Generation X used to live, yes. where it's this high school setting and the villain of the week or the big bad is kind of like secondary yes. to who's crushing on who, are they flirting? You know, like that's that's really what I love about comic books is those little relationships and all of, and like we get into it in this interview, but like that idea of potentiality that that specific high school age has is just so exciting and engaging. And I just love the direction that Scotty Young is going in right now. It's a little bit transitional, but by leaning into the writing part of his talent, he's been able to put out a whole bunch of new stories that show what kind of books he wants to see in the world yes. kind of because he doesn't have to because he doesn't have to draw them and as the me you love in the dark proves he can do his thing in different genres but when you look at the me you love in the dark next to strange academy there are some similarities there all his comics are about relationships we get into that with him uh, he's here to promote the return of I Hate Fairyland in July. And the way he's building up to that is releasing these tiny short stories through his stupid fresh mess uh, substack. And, they're, they, and, I, and I love this title. I'm going to try to read this title all in one go. But they are called the Unbelievable, Unfortunately, Mostly Unreadable, and Nearly Unpublishable Untold Tales of I Hate Fairyland. And he's invited all kinds of other artists to play in Fairyland. And so we have books by Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba, Dean Raskine, and others that he hasn't revealed yet that I'm very excited to see who, who's coming up next. And when I Hate Fairyland returns, he will be scripting and Brett Parsons will be illustrating. And yes, we talk about his new relationship as a creator, as a writer. And also, don't worry, he's still doing comics, right? <laughs> he's not just doing covers. He's got something he's working on. He can't quite reveal it yet. But we talk about what it's like being a writer versus being a cartoonist. And I, I think this conversation is really rewarding. It feels so extraordinarily special to be able to catch him at this point in yeah. his career because... Opening up your universe, him opening up Fairyland to other creators, to me seems like an extremely vulnerable thing because, you know, he has experience, obviously, in the Marvel universe, but in that place, you're playing with, like, share toys. Yes. Like, the... Uh, and everyone without, knows what they're doing. Everyone knows they're not their toys. Exactly. And with Fairyland, they were always his thing. Right. And they're, they're so signature Scotty Young. Yes. But in the beginning of this conversation, you hear that him opening up Fairyland is this profound act of love and confidence in what he has built up to this point. And, and I just think it's just so exciting and so um, infectious. Like, it gets me... Uh, excited for him in, in a way where I'm just like, I can't wait to watch you do this thing. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so I think we should just get into this conversation. Scotty Young was such a generous guest, and we know you're going to have a good time with it. Scotty Young, thank you so much for joining us on Comic Book Couples Counseling. It is an absolute honor to have you here. 
Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. When uh, when I get slid new podcast interviews in, in, in my email to see if I want to do, I, I read through them all. And when I saw the name of yours, I was like, that's a great name. I absolutely <laughs> want to go on that. Well, that that's that's how we want to do it. We want to hook you in with that name and then just destroy the conversation with our drivel. <laughs> no, I, no, I approve. No. I approve. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I think where I would like to start uh, talking about I hate Fairyland is I feel like as a reader, uh, a, a, a universe, a comic book universe doesn't become like a true comic book universe until other creators enter the realm of creation. And so with your untold tales of I hate Fairyland, you have invited, you know, a lot of interesting folks to play with your characters is it as exciting for you as it is for us to see new people interpret it? And does it feel like it takes I Hate Fairyland to another level? Yeah, it is. It is. It ha- it's. I would have to say it's probably more exciting for me than anybody because <laughs> it's so it's it, it makes you feel so many things like validation that you created something that appeals to not just readers, but your peers, you know, Um which is always a difficult sell, right? Mm. Because we all act like we like each other's stuff, but most of the time we don't read it. Uh, <laughs> we're too busy. Uh, but I love the idea that there's something that that I made out of my brain and that friends read it and they're like, oh my gosh, this is fun. And they, they're they willing to come in and jump in on it. And I, I was saying something, telling somebody this yesterday that for the first time, in maybe my comic book career, I get to experience something that I created from the outside. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm a part of the process, obviously I'm giving them, you know, the characters or saying, Hey, like, Oh, you know what? I I love your style. It'd be really awesome to see you do a Dunkin' Dragon story or something. But mo- for the most part with these situations, I'm just fielding pitches. So they're going through the, the you know, we give them the heart, the two volume of, of the hardcover volumes of the hardcover and and they just start sending pitches back and it's so cool to see what other people feel when they read through this stuff and what appeals to them i get to be a reader of my own project Mm. for the first time and so yeah it's it's very rewarding um and you know just as an art nerd uh you know i get to reach out to some of my favorite artists like you know gabrielle bond and fabio moon are two incredibly close friends of mine but also, I mean, they're close friends of mine because I just fell in love with their work um, so many years ago and we became close. And, and the idea that, that I'm, you know, getting texts from them at their desk showing me in progress shots of, of pages, just uh, it's, there's nothing better than that, you know? Yeah. And, I, you know, I think uh, there's also sometimes an aspect initially when you hear the idea that, oh, this is going to be different. Do I like different? But when you get Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba, uh, I mean, like that, like all those worries go away. And then you finally get to see those pages. Right. And I mean, they are really astonishing. It is really cool. Also, I mean, I love the I love seeing what jumped out at people like Fabio and Gabrielle picked Maddie, you know, Gert's biggest fan. And I was like, I probably wouldn't even have thought like she was a quick one issue character um, that I threw in as a gag really to support a Gert gag. And, and I killed her off, but you know, I'm definitely in, I I definitely exist in a Looney Tunes Simpsons world where nothing really means anything when you kill people. (laughs) Um, But I, 
like I wouldn't have thought to assign them that character, but it spoke to them. And that's the really cool thing is uh, seeing what comes out of people, like what, what, what sparks their interest or inspiration. So those two, those two picked Maddie and, and man, just, just crushed that story. In that pitch process, are there, you know, without naming names, but are there uh, pitches that don't necessarily jive with where you want these characters to go or how this world is to behave? And, and how do you, then have those conversations if that is the case. I've been really, really lucky so far. And by lucky, I guess I mean, I, I, when I collaborate with people, I know exactly who I'm getting ready to go out and collaborate with. Okay. I, I, I trust them. I already have a trust for them that reaches beyond, you know, beyond my understanding. It, it's, it's, I love their art so much, or we've been friends for so long. Um, in some cases, you know, we have, uh, Morgan beam who's working on a brilliant two stories. Actually, she pitched me two stories. And for those who don't know, Morgan beam is, uh, Jorge Corona's wife, um, and an amazing cartoonist and watercolorist as well. Um, so she's working on two stories now. Um, so there's, there's a level of trust that I have with everybody that I already know, uh, with, within very, very small margin that they're just all, they're going to deliver exactly what we all need and want. So, so far there has been zero of me saying, no, that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. The only thing that I've had to say to, to a few people is, okay, these are short stories. We have to keep them (laughs) short. Everybody, everybody wants to get in and do like full, full, uh, like comics and graphic novels. I'm like, Oh, we got to kind of keep these around the 10, the 10 page spot. But, um, other than that, and that just means that they're having a lot of fun and they want some more space. So that's not a bad problem to have. Um, but no, there's, there's not been any, I've not run into anything where I've had any problem or objection to anything. In fact, I've just, I've just walked away being like, Oh my God, that what a great idea. That's, that's just gold. I love that. There's now like a space to have these like quick punches of a story. And like, I've also, I, I also enjoyed the, the Dean Rankine stories. Oh yeah. And what I like particularly about his his take on Gert is he leans into her conflict with her self image and how she's always going out and, and numbing to forget, you know, to to forget how she feels about how her insides don't match her outsides anymore. And, and how does it feel when you see someone really resonate with that like deeper aspect of Gert's character? Like, but just besides like the vulgarity and the, and the gore <laughs> and the goopy gore and stuff. Right. I love it. And, and Dean is, Dean is one of those brilliant cartoonists that gets it. Um, he's a true humorist. And I think true humorists always exist in some middle realm between absolute lunacy and, and pretty like low sadness. Right. (laughs) um, Because that's where we kind of find that relatability um, that we all have to the different things in life and, and, and help us kind of like even it out. So I think Dean's one of those great cartoonists that, that sees that. I mean, that's definitely something that I always um, felt with with Gert, it was always my goal is to kind of like with one hand over here show you all the ketchup blood mm-hmm. and the and the goop and the and the bouncy spongy brains, um, but make sure that like with the other hand I'm sliding in uh, the medicine a little bit to talk about like you know I think things that we all go through, which is 
somewhat of an identity crisis and feeling different on the inside than what, what we may think we look like or feel like on the outside. Sometimes we're wrong about that. Sometimes we shouldn't be as worried about that. Um, but Dean nails it. He, he really gets it. Um, and I, it's, it's again, anytime that you do something and you have a goal, you don't want to have to tell other people like, Hey, remember <laughs> to kind of hit this point in this point, uh, because maybe that's not what they got from it. And I don't want to have to, I don't want to inform people what they should get from it. Do but, you ever, do you, oh, you oh no. Go, yeah. Go. Right. Uh, do you ever feel like a sense of like preciousness when you hand over your character? Like, cause whenever, whenever you are cu- walking towards a change, right. you always tend to like get precious about, well, like, like, I don't want this aspect to change. Like, do you have anything like that? Well, I haven't yet. Again, I mean, that comes down, um, for me, it comes down to the trust factor that I've had with all the, my collaborators. Um, I don't know why I actually thought I would be more precious and controlling. Um, but because I am in in love with each one of these creators, it's just, there's something about there's the fan part of me that takes over, Mm -hmm. um, that little kid nerd that is like, wants to see some of my favorite creators handle my favorite characters. It just so happens that now in my forties, my favorite creators are like world-class cartoonists that are my friends and my favorite characters are ones that I've created. (laughs) So um, it's just a really special fun. I mean, and then there's no closer way to, to to me, it it literally feels like I'm a kid in my toy room and I've invited a bunch of friends over to play on a play date. And we're just like, Hey, do you guys, do you guys want to come see my toy collection and you guys can play with it and do whatever you want with it. And if we break it, we'll glue it back together later. And and now I'm so excited for I Hate Fairyland to come back because um, she has been she's been living with this feeling of having to like jump through hoops right. to have something that we all feel entitled to, which is like this normal life. But then of course after what she's been through, like uh, like that's not necessarily what she wants anymore. Or so, possible. So. So I, I don't want any spoilers, but I also totally want spoilers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, do you, do you think this Gert or we don't know exactly how Gert is coming back, but right. do you think that there is going to be this different perspective now after, after where we left off? I hate Fairyland. Yeah, for sure. I mean, life is just made up of, you think, you know, but you really don't. Right. Like mm-hmm. that's pretty much what life is telling us every day. Um, because I think we I'm making this up on the spot, by the way, Please, um, <laughs> because I think sometimes we, we think we want things to stay a certain way. And so if we think that we have an, an idealistic view of we want what we want our life to be, then we're like, we want that all the time. So somebody like Gert, who is in a situation she doesn't like, just wants to go to this thing that she thinks she is going is going to make everything better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I think anytime we've all built, built, you know, it's like, Oh my God, matrix four, it's totally coming out. <laughs> right. And then you, when you're like, that's all I want. And that's kind of Gert hunting for the key and hunting for the way back. And it's like, and, and then when you get it, you're like, huh? Hmm. Is that what I wanted? That was a little different, you know? And it's not like, you don't know if you hate it. You don't, you know, you don't love it. Um, it's going to take some time and that is, you know, we're going to deal with that a little bit, 
um, for sure, which is, you know, that whole idea of like, did I get, did I really want this? Did I even know what I wanted? Did I decide what I wanted? And this is a big, this is a very big thing in my life. Uh, not, not necessarily me, but what I, what I think in people's lives, which is, mm-hmm. um, as people, as kids, um, let me state the premise and then I'll say a lot of times we were forced to pick what we wanted to do before we understand what that even means. Right. Yeah. So girl as a little girl is bad at this one thing. She's just bad at questing. Right. And so instantly, and then she's stuck there for too long. So she just wants to get home. And so at a very young age, this goal of hers starts to morph into a monster that kind of overtakes her. Um, and, and so all she can focus on is this one goal that she picked when she was a little girl, even though on the inside, she's a middle-aged woman, she's still fixated on this one goal and it's, and it's evolved into a slight bit of a monster on the inside. We go through that in real life, right? Where like, mm-hmm. what's like when you, I don't know if you guys have kids. We, we don't, do we're okay. child free, but we cool. understand the concept of children. Yeah, right. we so think a lot they're of, gross. No, <laughs> you are 100% not wrong. Um, <laughs> That so the, the, the but you guys you will understand this concept because you were also children. Mm-hmm. They, at a very young age, adults say like, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" Yeah. And you're like, and I think now that I'm a grown up, I'm like, why do we ask kids that question? Mm. Like, like you know what they what a kids don't think twenty minutes ahead of, of schedule. Like that's it. Like I watch my my youngest son, and all he cares about is the next ten minutes. Like. <laughs> and if he's going to get candy in that 10 minutes, right. Or a milkshake or some sort of situation, a Robux or whatever. Um, but we start that process of like, make a choice, make a choice for all time right now. And, but then we, then we, then we hold off for a little while when it's not so cute to answer the question. Right. But then later when they're still pretty much kids and they're in that 16, 17, 18 year old zone, especially 18 and you're like a senior in high school, we're like, all right, you know what? Now what we're going to do is we're going to ask you that same little kid question. What do you want to do to grow up? But now we're going to triple down and put thousands of dollars behind that, that choice Yeah, and force you to stick with it for at least the next four to five years that in, in somewhere along those four to five years, the majority of people are going to be like, man, I, I really didn't know anything about this. And I kind of don't want to. So there's this weird thing where we keep forcing these decisions that we have to stick with. And then you realize, do I want this? Like, is this what I want? Or do I just want to kind of ride through life and see what it does and change? Is it going to change? Am I going to like that it changes? And I've, I see Gert a lot in that way of where we have her now, which is like, did I say I wanted to be an astronaut? And then when I got to be an astronaut, what I was like, man, this is a lot of work and I don't get to see my family and this is kind of boring. You know, like, is that... Did we do that to to this character, or do we do that to ourselves? Do we lock ourselves in? And so we're going to deal a little bit with that, um, but also probably uh, catch up blood and brains and stuff too. <laughs> well, I'm uh, right now. I'm reading this book by Helen Russell called "How to Be Sad," and um, but it's all about embracing like your sadness so that it can teach you teach you something. Yeah, for sure. And um, one of her messages is like expectation is like the um is like the the conjoined twin of sadness right because you are you are signing yourself up for disappointment and like the key is to like lower expectations and yeah. and um and i find that to be true like as like a creative like i went to music school which was so dumb um <laughs> <laughs> and but also like as a fan 
You know, like now I hate Fairyland. It's coming back out. My expectations, super high. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But like, so like I, one thing that I love about Gert, but also like I feel precious about, but also I would love to see a development in is like, even though she's been through this like very personal journey, like she hasn't yet used it as a way to create greater empathy with the people around her. Cause when you're questing, like everyone around you is just like a, like a stepping stone right. or a roadblock or a roadblock. And so like, do you think there is potential for Gert to reach this place of deeper empathy for the people around her? Or is that like one of those precious things where it's just like, well, it's kind of essential to Gert to be detached in that way. No, I mean, it's, I, I, I'm glad that you're pointing that out because I mean, clearly when I was sitting around going, okay, it's been three years, I, I, I'm, I'm itching to get back there. But for me to go back to a place, something needs to change. It can't just, you know, I can't just plug in and start doing the same gags and same jokes and then be like, oh, we're back. Mm-hmm. Even though there will be a, some, there'll be a familiarity there. Um, we definitely are going to, I definitely am exploring other, other emotions of hers because she did achieve the goal. Right. So the, the thing that we're going to have fun with this time is seeing what new goals she has. Um, I mean, I think that's again, something we all go through in life, which is hitting a spot of like, okay, I have uh, like, I'm, I'm not, it's people who know me probably know that like, there's not a wild chasm between Gert and I. (laughs) Um, uh, So, you know, as a comic book creator uh, or a creative or whatever label anybody wants to put on me, um, you know, I have within a margin, like achieved my goals, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, I've worked with, you know, I'm writing Strange Academy now with one of my favorite artists when I was in high school. That's a pretty yeah. huge mountain for me to climb with Umberto Ramos. And, uh, you know, I've, I've drawn almost every single character in the Marvel Universe um, through the covers and, and written some books over there. And I've done a lot of things that I set out to do. Mm-hmm. And so you do find yourself like, OK, like what? What what's next? I can't. I don't want to keep repeating that, and that's that's the fun that I'm. That's what made me want to come back to Gert. All the fun stuff, obviously, of like just hurt that energy and the humor and all that is fun. But the thing that made me the challenge that made me want to come back was like, can I pose new goals for her and have and have people enjoy her just as much? Um, you know, and those new goals are going to be different. You know, the, the, her old goal had her angry a lot what, the new goals, what, what emotions are going to come from that. Um, and that's where I'm excited for you guys to tune in because there's some really fun, really fun relationships that I'm cooking up, um, for her and uh, the characters around her. So it's, it's going to be this the same old Gert, but also the brand new Gert. And I think it's going to be pretty, pretty fun. Lisa. Also, real quick, before you go on, I yeah. don't, also wanted to say I loved that you, what you said about expectation because I believe I read – I think I read like a relationship book or a marriage book or something at one point, and they also said – that was kind of the theme as well. Like expect, expectations are usually always like 
like almost every fight you have as a couple comes doesn't come from like anybody having done anything wrong. It's it's come from one or the other or both people's expectations, like finding their way into the daily fabric of life, and you realize like, well, that's not my I like I didn't set that up, you know. So yeah. expect, expectations are a in, interesting little character that run through our lives. Oh, and it's like for our online lives, it seems to be like the predominant factor motivating every tweet, you know, uh, like you talk about the matrix resurrections or whatever, insert any property, right. uh, the villain is expectation. And I think right. we really need to do a better job of shedding ourselves of expectations and letting stories flow over us. Right. Exactly. I agree. 100%. Uh, you know, you're talking there about how you tackle relationships in your comic books. And Lisa and I were discussing before uh, getting on the horn with you uh, how your stories are all about relationships. We've been blitzing through Strange Academy. Love and it. we uh, this week reread The Me You Love in the Dark. Um, and, the, you know, those those are books that are all about how characters interact with each other and i'm curious when you enter into a property like strange academy for example uh and you're setting up all these different uh characters and character dynamics how do you pair these people off like you know like doyle and emily oh my goodness we we (laughs) love doyle and emily um well thank you how how do you massage them into a a couple man it's uh, strange academy is one of those strange academy is one of those books that when i talk about it people are gonna they'll be like oh god these are one of those foo-foo writers dude they're listening Uh, to comic book couples counseling (laughs) they are all foo-foo readers yeah well that's what i'm like for me strange academy i sat i sat around for a while thinking that book up and then once we, we actually, we created a cast of five characters and then we created like six or seven other characters that Umberto could draw in the background. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I started writing issue one, I got done and, and it, we, I had accidentally gave, given everyone full character scope. Right. And I was like, my editor, Nick and I were like, Oh my God, I think we accidentally just created a book with like 10 to 12 brand new full characters. Um, <laughs> but really Outside, I mean, Doyle and Emily, I knew, I knew I wanted that dynamic. I knew I wanted that, that pairing from the beginning, right? Because you have your, you have your kind of your, to analog it to Harry Potter or whatever you have, you'll have like a Hermione such Harry Potter character and Emily or seemingly so. And, and then, you know, you're kind of Malfoyish, you know, side of the character and Doyle a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then you want to play with those stereotypes or, or archetypes. But I knew I wanted the di- I knew I wanted that dynamic. Everybody else, it was literally would happen on the day, like mm-hmm. as as I was writing. Um, I remember writing the scene, and it really, I mean, it just happens like this. Like I generally plot out a, an issue, and I put a sentence per index card for a page, and I'm like, okay, characters in uh, I don't know library talking. Da, 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 da. like this there'll be five this scene will be five pages and I, I block out five pages for that and then I block out another scene and then when I start scripting I'm like okay who's at the thing talking and is Zoe and then there's a moment where I'm like well I know a spoiler for those who haven't read it but Zoe's a zombie 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know Zoe's a zombie. And da, da, da. but then I was like, oh yeah, I've got that other character, Desi, who's kind of like I kind of view her, she's like she's similar to my older son in a lot of ways, where she's just like <laughs> very, very on the surface and like has a question and she's gonna ask it. You know, like I thought of this, I'm asking you right now, and uh, I'm not being around the bush and and as I started having, the, as I started writing this conversation with these two kids that I created, it just naturally started to inform me that Desi, in her weird way, was flirting with Zoe. Mm-hmm. And it showed me while doing it. And I was like, oh, this is kind of flirty. Like, it's like what how I felt, how I feel when I watch a show, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, Oh my God, is, 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 is she flirting with him or whatever? Right. Yeah. And that's kind of what was happening. That's what happens for me with strange Academy is I know, I know that I'm looking for those relationships, but I'm not, I don't overplan them leading up to that day of scripting. I really am letting them like, I had no idea, zero idea until I hit that scene. And I was just looking for uh, uh, um, Shaylee's next words. Cause I, I just view Shaylee as somebody who's constantly kind of annoying everybody mm-hmm. um, by talking all the time. And she's like my youngest son who never stops saying words. Mm-hmm. Like he just wakes up, words start happening, and then it's bedtime t- 16 hours later and no words have stopped. And so that's how I viewed Shaylee. And I didn't realize until the very moment that I had her basically ask Toth to be her boyfriend mm-hmm. that that was going to happen. <laughs> like, and so is this really, co- it's a really cool thing for me with strange Academy to have created a cast of characters that I know so well that they are kind of letting me know what they want to do as I'm, as I'm building those scripts out. Mm. Um, I think uh, that's one of the reasons like, you know, even, you know, in my late thirds, late thirties, <laughs> like I keep going back to stories where, it's just a bunch of teenagers in a place because it's like, cause there is all of this like sparky potentiality that kind of goes away as they, you know, join and join the X-Men or, you know, start a detective agency. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I'm exactly like, I, I am like, uh, I'm like a different version of the dads who, uh, or moms who put their kids in sports and then kind of are reliving mm. their teenage years through their sporty teenagers. Mm-hmm. I'm like that, but with um, love, yeah. <laughs> like with, with like relationship. Like I was, I loved, I loved high school. I mean, I love school part of it, but I liked right. the relationship part of it. And I liked my friends and the, the other. So I love that era of my life. So in my adult life, I just, any chance I can, I just try to relive that through the things that I make um, or watch. Cause I'm the same way. Like I was, you know, I think I've watched Buffy um, 8 million times through. Um, yeah, me, me too. Me too. Yeah, I've watched, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to do a Vampire Diaries rewatch. Yeah. Um, so it, basically any shows that are just, oh, I, I've 100% seen Felicity, no joke, probably 20 <laughs> times. Um, yeah. Like, I tried to rewatch Felicity. I, it, like, I'm like a touch young for Felicity. Like my older sister was like into Felicity. I tried to rewatch it. I joined Hulu to rewatch Felicity and I had a right. time with it, but I'm a big Gilly. I love Gilmore Girls. Are you a Gilmore <laughs> oh, yeah. Girls? Oh yeah. We've watched Gilmore Girls. It's, it's, so I have a, I have a similar relationship with both of those shows. Um, 
uh, we've watched Gilmore Girls a million times. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of my wife's favorite shows. Um, so Felicity is something I loved my first time around and the multiple watches after that. It is a little difficult to watch now. Like we, 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 we started a rewatch of that a couple months back and we didn't make it very far. It yeah. is, def- it is definitely a product of its time. Um, it, there's a little, it, 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 at some point deep into the show, it gets a little frustrating how many decisions she makes based on <laughs> the Ben guy. Right. They're like, all right, at some point, at some point you need to veer off and go on your own path. Um, but, but again, that's why these shows are important in a certain era because they're reflecting the time. And so that was Gilmore girls is a show that I absolutely loved. Um, I didn't love the last season or two. Right. Right. It yeah, started to definitely get away from itself a little bit, but it's also a show that each time I rewatch it, I'm a little more annoyed at the, at the, at the machine gun pace of things. Mm, right. And again, it's only, it's only as I get older and have, it's basically probably because I've just memorized it where it's like, Oh man, I used to love this song, but now I've heard this song so many times uh-huh. that even though it's still an amazing song, I can't really listen to it anymore. Um, that's pretty much what Gilmore girls. And we, I think we came to it. We started watching it. And then there was a Gilmore girls podcast. Yeah. Yes. The Gilmore the, guys. Yeah. That's, that's a new one, but this is like an old school. Ooh, this is like a podcasting just started. Um, one that a married couple did uh, that was really good. I'll have to figure, I'll have to ask Casey which one that was, but we loved that. Um, but yes, I, I am very much a big relationship show watcher and book reader. And you know, so you, I, like I now that I know your Felicity and Gilmore Girls love, I absolutely see it in Strange Academy, and <laughs> I can see it also in the Me You Love in the Dark. Even though what you're exploring with Jorge in that comic is a very different vibe and tone. Right. Um, But it's got to be a tremendous uh, creative relief to explore that kind of story, but still kind of hang a book on a unique relationship. Yeah, that was that book was interesting and definitely a challenge. Um, but it was my chance to try to explore, like you said, a different kind of relationship. That's not, I mean, every, all my other relationships, not that they don't have conflict, but they are, they're the, you know, they're the relationships we're used to and I'm playing with them a little bit. And I think there's the, there's another side to the relationships that I think they're as important to have stories about and learn from. Um, and the me you love in the dark was definitely one of those where, you know, we we wanted to explore the idea of of getting lost in s- something or someone else that that isn't you, and mm-hmm. how far does how far how far can that go without you realizing it? It also it, it's similar to like I hate Fairyland, and it's also like a be careful what you wish for story. Right? Yeah, because Ro goes in again in kind of that re re rediscovering herself era of her life of saying like, I'm kind of bored of me. I need to, I need to find a new version of, of my creativity, but our creativity is so tied to the fabric of us in general, our being that, you know, in some ways without her knowing it, she's like, what's, what's my new creative path. But she's also in, in, in that same process 
accidentally saying like, who, who am I going to rewrite myself as and, and leaving herself maybe a little too open to suggestion. Again, this is all, this is all subconscious, right? Like right. when we all just find ourselves in the, like, I don't know what I want, but I want something, you know? Um, she, and maybe that's, well, maybe that's not everybody that maybe that's just me and my weird creativity <laughs> where I'm like, I'm again, I'm just bored of me. I want something. I don't know what it is, you know? I think everybody relates to the idea of wanting to go contrary to expectation where, you know, she has um, Addie who goes like, you know, everybody now knows your art. They want more of your art and your art is this. And she goes like, well, now that everybody knows that my art is this, I don't want my art to be that. And, And do you ever find yourself like under the pressure of like, expectation like when somebody you know you know calls in scotty young they right. have a certain expectation do you do you yeah the same pressures oh 100 i mean you guys are you guys have probably found out by now or and if you have it you will now but i mean every one of my books is like just a weird sliver of me mm-hmm. um i mean the the whole the, the whole that whole aspect of row is 100 me um and why the me you love in the dark itself exists uh, because I don't think that's a book anybody expected would expect me to write or, mm-hmm. you know, s- up to this point, I've, you know, written Deadpool and rocket raccoon and Groot and I hate fairyland and giant size, little Marvel. So lots of funny stuff, which I'm never going, I'm never giving up. I love that stuff, mm-hmm. but I do the little Marvel covers. And, and so there's very much an expectation of, of who I am and what I do. Um, so the idea of, of coming out, of left field and saying, Hey, here's this other thing that I do. You know, the main character is going through that same process of, uh, you know, God, everybody expects this thing from me. I want to be something different. I don't even know what that is. Can I explore it? Um, and then, you know, through that process of opening yourself up, she become, you know, kind of becomes, finds herself falling in love with the impossibility of something, mm-hmm. uh, which, which I think is a thing that has to happen for creative creatives. You know, you have to, you have to open yourself up and be vulnerable to a, to something that could, that might be impossible and is a little bit scary and out of, out of the other side of that usually comes some pretty great things, but also out of that can come absolute disastrous failure um, which is a lesson as well, you know, of, of, of being like, it's okay. Uh, you'll, you, you just need to get up and probably try it again. But, um, yeah, that there's definitely a lot of things weaving through that, that book that are very similar to, I think what we all go through when we are, you know, going back to expectations, right. right. <laughs> That's our theme. It seems today, but I think, you know, that we, t- we tackle a lot of that in that book. And I, I think we're, I'm, I'm pretty proud of, what Jorge and I were able to pull off with, with uh, that story and that level of emotion and, um, and just, uh, you know, a quick five issues. That was pretty awesome. Do you, so now you've been sharing like these fragments of yourself through all of your creative work. Do you feel like, do you feel like uh, your characters ever do anything like in return? Do you think that they have taught you something about yourself that maybe you hadn't fully realized or, or maybe like by expressing yourself now you can go in another direction or. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think I hate Fairyland and Gert. I mean, I, I created, I hate Fairyland. Um, I started creating that when my oldest son was, you know, three, three or four or no, about three. So I was a newer dad and 
um, dealing with uh, figuring out patience, mm-hmm. which I mean, you know, I, I wasn't a, I'm not a wildly patient person, uh, pre kids. So, you know, like trying to figure out how to, you know, kind of find that Zen level thing, uh, when you have a house full of, uh, dogs and a little kid and all the toys are all over the house all the time and making the worst digitized music sounds <laughs> over it. Like even now when you walk past him, it feels the wind of you walking past. So it's like, you know, and, or like the, the, the we, there's a, we had a, a Yoda, Yoda alarm clock that my mom <laughs> gave, like came me down with nobody even liked it, but it'd always be buried in a toy box. And inevitably the kids would play with it or the, my, my son would play with it and it would, the alarm would start going off at two 30 in the morning, <laughs> but, but we, but we didn't know where it was. So we just scrambling through our house looking for this dumb Yoda alarm clock. And so it's like, I hate fairyland at first came from that, yeah, right? Yeah. It's being created. Like I have watched the same episode of Caillou 47 times or even shows that I like, like Yo Gabba Gabba. It's like if my son watches, you know, the nightmare show or whatever, this one, one more time, I'm going to lose it. Um, so I hate failing kind of mixes with a lot of the other parts of me and comes out like that. Now, by the time I'm ending fairyland, my older son's a couple years older. Uh, you know, he's five, six. Um, and my, I now have a new son that was just born Milo and uh, I have found some of that, you know, by exercising some of those frustrations and impatience through a character like Gert, you're externalizing it a little bit on paper in front of you. And I was writing and drawing those. So I was living with those. I was living inside of those sentiments for days, weeks, months at a time. Um, so yeah, there is a part of you that starts to actually listen to your own, like, man, that's not a, I shouldn't maybe be so frustrated, right? <laughs> I should like, so you almost find, I, fa- I, I, I almost found some of my patience and found some of my, like, just let it go. You know what I mean? Just, it's okay. Like everything's going to be fine. Like not everything's going to be perfect. Uh, things are going to get broken and, and it can be put back together and you're going to have emotions and not everybody's, you know, so I, there's a lot of things that you're almost weirdly teaching yourself by putting it down on paper in story form for other people to digest. So mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. I, I learned a lot from that weird little murderer. <laughs> and what, what's your experience been, you know, cranking out scripts? Like you've, you, you now are, you've written so much lately and we're in right. this, Great period of Scotty Young comics with Strange Academy, the Me You Love in the Dark just wrapping up. I hate Fairyland ramping up, up to its return. Um, but you know, to your point, when you were writing and illustrating, I hate Fairyland. You were entrenched in that story, right? Uh, is it um, like like how different is your experience with storytelling as you're scripting? And I'm sure you're also doing art that we're unaware of. I mean, obviously you've got the covers. But right. I imagine there's a comic out there that's in progress as well. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. There's definitely a comic in progress coming out. And that, that thing is like, just wait. You guys are going to have me on there. It's going to have to be like a three-parter. Yes. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like it's nothing but emotion-driven. Um, like it's all of that. Like all of that at its purest purest f- f- uh, form for me. So that I'll have more information on that for sure soon. Um, but – uh, no, I don't find it that I 
I think now that I'm just writing, I actually explore it a little harder Mm. because I like, that's it. That's my, my time is spent there. Mm. Sometimes, you know, with writing and drawing, I hate fairyland. Um, you know, sometimes I just was like, okay, this one's going to be a little bit more of a gag one. Cause I just, I have to go. I got it. The train is on the tracks and, um, and I have to get this out the door. Like this mm-hmm. needs to go to, to print. Um, now where I don't, I know I don't have to a lot. I mean, drawing just takes so long, right? So, you know, I, I, where, where writing a script can take me anywhere from a day to five days, you know, a, drawing a comic book is, you know, four or five weeks or more. Mm-hmm. Um, so trying to a lot time for each one was, is always difficult. Now that I'm just mostly on the writing side of a lot of things, it gives me more time to daydream. And I think the best things that we ever do come from being slightly bored and daydreaming. Mm. Um, so giving myself the time to, to sit and think and write down a sentence and then explore that sentence and see what that, where that takes me is uh, has, I think only made me a better writer um, and prepared me better to, you know, pick up the pencil again and, and draw some things. Mm. Awesome. Well, before we let you go, Scotty, I did want to touch a little bit on how you're delivering these I Hate Fairyland untold tales. Uh, And Lisa talked about how great it is now to have like a space like Substack where you can, you know, drop a monthly comic that doesn't have to be a particular length. Uh, What has your experience with Substack been so far? How are you enjoying it? Um, What can we expect in the future? Um, so far, I think it's been great. I mean, uh, you know, here at Stupid Fresh Mess, we opened the doors to the company in 2009. Um, and uh, my friend and, and company manager, Megan, uh, and now our, our shipping manager, John, have been doing such a great job of just building new product lines and, and prints and books and signed things and book plates and all that. Uh, and, and we had a newsletter that supported that. Um, and so when Substack came along, I was like, man, this is really cool. Cause I are, we already do this newsletter situation, um, where we are building our community and, and keeping them informed. And right before Substack started coming or kind of approached me, um, I was already starting to use the newsletter as an old school blog where I was sharing, mm. you know, just personal stuff and writing kind of essays again that I had missed since kind of the, since the Instagram of life had, had taken over. Um, and so I was getting back to this, like, let's write something or blah, blah, blah. And then Substack came along. I was like, Oh my gosh, cool. I was already kind of thinking about this. And then the idea of like publishing some online comics to support it. I was like, man, this is exactly what I needed right now in my life. The kind of this poke to like, Hey, remember the way that you used to like wake up and like figure it out and like crank some stuff out and be real scrappy, independent creator. Um, it just reminded me that that's something that I really loved. And so for me, it, it Substack in a lot of ways was reminding me to do more of what I was already doing. And it did light the fire under me to be like, you know what? Let's just, I had been, I've been talking about bringing, I hate Fairyland back for a while. Let's just do it. Like, let's finally just jump in. And the, the, the platform of, of Substack really was a key factor in me finally just turning the key and pressing the gas because I was like, Oh, this is a perfect chance for me to tell some stories between the raindrops of the first tales 
Um, and again, like I said, use some of the funding here to go out and hire some amazing people to help me bring more stories to life, uh, hire some editors and everything to, to really come in and build a foundation for us to bring, I hate fairyland back, but also, you know, in the future, start adding some other books that aren't just fairyland driven. Um, so for me, Substack has been great. I've loved the community that it's helped us add to. Um, it's really got me doing things that I didn't think, or I was like, I'd be like, I'd do that one day, like live streaming or <laughs> we're, we're getting ready to get into podcasting and doing some things like that where, you know, I always, I had a pod, my wife and I had a podcast back in the day, like in, let's say like 2007 or eight, um, called the devil in me. And we loved it. We did it for like a year and change. Uh, and we've always talked about getting back to it. And this might be the perfect opportunity, like a pl- like having a platform that's getting a, a big spotlight for independence and things like that. Um, so we're excited for this next year of uh, utilizing this platform in ways to share uh, stories with you guys and conversations with everybody and the whole nine. Awesome. Uh, couple podcasting. That's our jam. <laughs> no, we are not at all threatened that you are moving into our space as a couple podcasters. <laughs> well, listen, we, we did we did that podcast a long time ago. So I don't know. We, we probably said a lot of things we're not supposed to say now, but <laughs> so we, 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 we've buried those deep in the ground. Oh, man. Uh, well, we'll have links in the show notes to where everyone can find you. But just in case they can't read and they're only listening. Right. Uh, Scotty, where can uh, our listeners uh, continue this conversation online with you? Um Swing by scottyyoung.com. That's, uh, that's kind of the hub. You can sign up for the Substack newsletter there. Um, if you'd like, you can visit the store, pick up some prints, books, the whole shebang there. Um, you can go directly to the Substack, which is scottyyoung.substack.com. Um, there you're going to read um, lots of mushy stuff about me or me being mad that I took too big a long of a break on the Peloton and now I'm struggling <laughs> to get back on it. Um, uh, of course, comics. We do a lot of great giveaways, and and if you become a paid subscriber, we do a lot of free giveaways and free books and all types of bonus stuff. Uh, Instagram, just at Scotty Young, kind of at Scotty Young on all the things if you go hunting there. But uh, yeah, you can usually find me in all the places. Awesome. And that new Boba Fett Rancor print you just put out uh, will be ours soon. <laughs> I love it. Thank uh, you so much. That's I like, you know, you watch that episode and then you're like, this is the silliest thing I've ever seen. I've got to do a drawing in the morning. Awesome. Uh, Scotty, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Super appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. This was great. Take care. Yep. Thanks. Wasn't that just so fun? It was. Scotty Young came to play. And I'm so excited that we got to the more, like, uh, you know, the more nuanced aspects of Gert as a character. Because I think that, um, you know, like, the violence and the vulgarity is, like, just, like, uh, the icing of the double trouble, where some of the, us are really there for the cookie. Well, I love that when you're reading I Hate Fairyland, you really key in on the internal struggle that Gert is experiencing. And you put yourself in her perspective, and in doing so, you discover so much pain. I just don't think that Gert would be acting out in the way that she historically has been for two volumes, unless she was trying to to reconcile something with herself or numb herself out or, or whatever she needs to do 
to get to the next thing, and, and, which is what makes me so excited yes. for the return of I Hate Fairyland because the quest is over. So she needs to find a new quest. So I hope for her that's a quest to find herself. And I think we can hear in this conversation with Scotty that he is interested in those things too. And that's what he's looking to explore in this return to I Hate Fairyland. It doesn't surprise me that Scotty Young is into those kind of uh, almost soap opera adjacent coming of age narratives like Felicity, like Gilmore Girls. And uh, and those are things that I love, too. Yeah. How happy were you when he brought those up? I like I was like, okay, well, now let's clear the next two and a half (laughs) hours. I know that you have a hair. A haircut scheduled after this. You have a hard out, but <laughs> I have I have some uh, loves to express. Lisa lit up when those two shows were mentioned. I brought up Gilmore Girls because I'm just looking for excuses. But but the fact that he affirmed me in that there was very yes and of him. Well, he is a yes and creator. And when we first connected via Zencaster, you know, we told him, look, we're here to talk about the feelings of your characters, and he was excited to do that. He jumped into this conversation wanting to explore that aspect of his stories. And he creates comics for comic book couples counseling. Lisa and I have discussed covering the Me You Love in the Dark as a one pod stand episode. And Strange Academy, I think Doyle and Emily have to become like a four part series at some point, or at least a three part series, because I think Uh, Strange Academy wraps up in April with the 18th issue, which will give us three trade paperbacks. And I Mm -hmm. think we can do three episodes on those three trade paperbacks. Yeah, totally. So if you have not read those comics, now is the time to do so. I Hate Fairyland has two big uh, hardcover books out from Image Comics. Uh, The Me You Love in the Dark has a trade paperback coming out in, I think, a month or two from Image Comics. And of course, Strange Academy is at uh, Marvel Comics right now and yeah uh follow scotty young links all in the show notes lisa it's time i think i think we finally have to return to marco and alana with saga brian k vaughn and fiona staples's epic science fiction book which has also returned uh, and you have started rereading the series, starting with volume five. How are you doing? Progress-wise, I am chipping away at it. Uh, emotionally, uh, you know, it's a journey. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of know what happens at the end of volume nine, but you don't know the details. I don't. But you are dreading it. I am dreading it, and... Where volume five starts is also very hard because Marco and Alana are separated. Where Marco is right now, he's not exactly with people with whom he can process his emotions. And he's recently had an experience where a lot of his past trauma is being, you know, dredged up and I've paired Marco and Alana with a relationship expert, Helen Russell and her book, how to be sad. And, um, that book is very much about like sad is 
evolution trying to warn you. Yeah, you trying... talked about it a little bit with Scotty Young. Yeah, it's and it's about taking that that your emotions are a message and they shouldn't be something that we are blotting out and tamping down. And um, so it's so hard to have all of these emotions come up for Marco and then emotions come up for myself where I go like, well, I can't push this sadness away and I can't um, rush through this hard part because it's it's here to tell me something. Yeah, yeah. So, so emotionally... Um, yeah, yeah. Like I'm finding it challenging, but in a really good and um, edifying way. Yeah, uh, I, I, I understand. I've gone through that journey. I'm excited to watch you go through that journey. For those that don't know, Marco and Alana were the second. No, they were the third couple that we covered on Comic Book Couples Counseling back in 2019. We covered volumes one through four, and then we took a break. And we were like, we're going to return to them. Uh, when, once Saga comes back, and then it took three years for Saga to come back, but now Saga is back, and we are going to do four episodes on volumes five through nine. The next episode will be on volume five, pairing it with Helen Russell's How to Be Sad, and then we're going to probably do six and seven as one episode, and then eight and then nine as its own episode. So yeah, uh, I think this couple session is going to be an extremely eventful one for comic book couples counseling. And probably in that fourth episode, we'll cover, uh, I think issues 55 and 56 will be out by that point. So we'll talk a little bit about where Marco and Alana are or are not mm -hmm. in those two issues. So yeah, exciting episodes ahead. But for now, we got to get the fluff out of here. So, Brad, <laughs> where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? Uh, you can find me on all social medias at MouthDork. If you have words of affirmation for our logo, you can send them to Aaron Prescott at A Cool Hand Fluke. And if you have some words of affirmation for our radical banner art and show poster, send them to Karen Charm at Karen underscore X-Men fan. Lisa, where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? I am always accepting words of affirmation at Sidewalk Siren on Instagram and Twitter. If you'd like to spend more quality time with us, you can subscribe to us on Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Google, and Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to get exclusive, you can join our Patreon, where you'll get more content, including weekly bonus episodes. We are doing Sandman issue by issue, meaning 75 issues, 75 episodes, except we just covered issue 20. One, and mm -hmm. we did two episodes on 21. So it's been a massive deep dive into Neil Gaiman's epic, and we are loving it over there. But if you'd like to reach out and touch us electronically, you can email the podcast, cbccpodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website, comicbookcouplescounseling.com, or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at cbccpodcast. You can give us the gift of five stars on Apple Podcasts, and if you'd like to do an active service, why not write a review of the show while you're there? We are fluent and receptive in all five love languages. It really warms our hearts and helps the pod. So until next time, friends, keep your love tank full. And your psychic rapport open. Doopy doopy. Oh. Oh.